This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. What's up, guys? Welcome to the News Podcast. My name is Solomon Ali at Red Nation Hoops on Twitter. You're joined by Forrest Walker at Do Nots on Twitter. How you doing, man? Hey, hello. Also joined by George Flores at George C Flores twenty two on Twitter. How you doing, man? I'm doing great. Yeah, so I'm not even gonna try and bury the lead here. Uh, Tariq Black for a biannual exception. Uh, let's, Look, go ahead, let's go ahead and have to stop doing this. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean the the Rockets are. The, Gonna sell their team. I mean, Alessi Alexander uh, put the, the team on sale today. Uh, there was a big announcement that was gonna happen at 2 p.m. Uh, everybody kind of speculated new uniforms. You know, maybe a maybe possibly a sponsorship patch. And you know, I, I was kind of waiting for this to whatever sponsor was gonna happen. You know, I was gonna find out and go to sleep because I was really really tired. And um, as soon as it as soon as the announcement came, it, it turned out Tad Brown came up there and said that Alessi Alexander wanted to sell the team. Uh, this is big. Uh, this is possibly the biggest news of the Rockets offseason. I, I think it is. It's bigger than the Chris Paul trade. It's bigger than the James Harden extension. Uh, NBA owners are really, really important. They're, they're the most important part of your organization, no matter what. If your owner, if your ownership or your owner is crap, like you're not going to go anywhere. We've seen this with James Dolan. We've seen this with other organizations. It, it, it's just... You need a I, I stable love by owner. This is James Dolan and then other <laughs> organizations in the tiering of worst owners. Yeah, I mean Dan Gilbert, whatever. You know, like it, James Dolan's <laughs> definitely at the top, right? Uh, of of crappy owners, and um, yeah, I mean, it, if you don't have a stable owner in this league, you're you're just not going to survive. You're not going to get very far. The best teams in the NBA have stable ownership. Uh, Peter Holt with the Spurs, Mark Cuban with the Mavericks. Um, I think it's Mickey Harrison with the with the Heat. You know, I mean, like you go down 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 the line. I mean, we have to we have to say Joe Lacob or somebody will send us death threats. I think. So, yeah, I Joe mean, Lacob also. Joe yeah. Lacob with the Warriors. You know, like whatever you, you go down the line. Every NBA team has every successful NBA team has as a stable owner. Um, and we 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 could have said that about the Rockets up until today. We we right now everything's up in the air now. Uh, Les has been the owner for twenty four years. The Rockets ha- haven't had to worry about that. Everything's been good. Upstairs, whatever has happened with the team downstairs, everything upstairs has been stable, right? We, I think we can all agree on that. For the last ten years, Daryl Morey's been the general manager. Leslie Alexander's been the owner. That's been the, that's been the mode of operation. Uh, the you know 
the bas- basketball ops was solely up to Daryl Moore. Less stayed out of it. Um, he had certainly had influence, right? Like last offseason, he wanted Mike D'Antoni to be the coach, and he's been chasing Mike D'Antoni for a while. He want he's wanted to play this progressive style of ball. He's had influence, but he's let Daryl take care of things, and th- and now everything's kind of up in the air. And this is pretty big. Yeah, um, it's it's the end of an era. I mean, not like the second. Obviously, they didn't come out and announce the sale had been made. Just that they they're putting the for sale sign out in front of the property. So it's going to be a while, but now we know it's going to be a while, and that's a big and kind of sad change. Yeah, and the, just the timing of it is super weird too. It, I don't think there could be any more optimism in the Rockets as an organization or as like in their stability. And now this bombshell gets dropped on us today. It was just, it's weird. It's weird timing. I mean, I guess it's kind of like if you're going to break up with somebody, (laughs) break up with somebody after they get some good news. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, it's like in some ways, this is the perfect selling point, right? You extended James Harden. uh, You extended Daryl Morey. uh, You, you had a lot of positive press this summer after acquiring Chris Paul, a lot of positive press, uh, press like, um, Exceedingly so, and uh, you know the the value of this organization is at an all time high. Uh, you, you <laughs> no have, kidding. Yeah, I mean you have two superstars, a great market in China. Uh, this is probably the team in in China uh, right now, um, and like I mean this is a, a global a global organization. I mean I, you got to figure it's it's a big market. You got to figure that buyers are going to be really really interested. Um, local buyers. I mean there's been some names thrown around. Um, as well as ownership groups that have been waiting for for a team to be open for years, and now a team's open. It's it's one of the five best organizations in basket in basketball, um, and that's pretty insane. I mean, that's it's a great opportunity for an ownership group to come in and you know uh, swipe at this opportunity. Um, and now Ted Brown, uh, according to reports, Tad Brown's going to come in. He's going to oversee the the sale of this of this team uh, along with some of Leslie Alexander's representatives. Um, and some uh, some management, you know, like they're gonna sell the team and they're gonna vet. They're gonna there's the vetting process starts right. Like Adam Silver and Tad Brown are gonna vet these potential suitors and uh, they're gonna find the sale the own the you know potential would be owner for this team and they have to get this right. Uh, they, you know they got it right the last <laughs> yeah. time, right? They 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 have to have to have to get this right. Well, we just talked about the t- the start of the podcast how important an NBA owner is. Uh, for the health of your organization and you know like if you don't have that guy that you know that stable personality that uh you know person who's willing to spend the person who's willing to uh, you know pay the luxury tax um i mean you're kind of you're kind of at a loss and at the same time you can't have someone who's too involved you have to find that right mix right like you can't have uh, a Vivek Ranadive who wants to control everything because he thinks he, you know, by coaching his daughter's AAU team, he can, you know, manage <laughs> an NBA team. Like, right? You can't, you can't do that here, right? Like, you have to find someone who, and it's also deep pockets. You got to find someone who has deep pockets and, um, you know, who's willing to pay. And that that that's a really key here. Yeah, you know who'd be really good as an owner is Leslie Alexander. Yeah, <laughs> should give him a call. Yeah, uh, so if I can if I can kind of like psychoanalyze Les Alexander for a minute here, uh, my thoughts about this, especially about the timing, uh, it says two things to me. One is that as we sort of mentioned, this is the right time to sell. The valet team has never been higher. Uh, it's set up going forward. Like, ev- like 
it's not just that the team is doing very well and that it's a hot commodity, but that they've kind of set it up such that you just slot a new owner in there. Like, if the new owner is willing to just sit back, put his feet on the desk, and let things roll, it's going to roll. The team is set up for the future. It's, it, I cannot think of any better situation. If you're ever going to sell this team, you sell it right now. This is exactly the right time if you're Les Alexander. And if you've been, I mean, presumably he knows that he, you know, is not going to be on the earth for a hundred more years, right? Uh, so he, he's ready to, to move on at this point. I think also to psychoanalyze a little bit deeper, you can read into this partially that he wanted to wait until a time that he knew the team was going to be taken care of moving forward. I think it's not too outlandish to suggest that he has a real deep affection for this team in the city. Uh, I think that the timing is right for him, not only for getting the biggest revenue, but also if you want to be sure that the team is going to keep on its current trajectory for a while longer. With the extensions to Maury and Harden, with uh, D'Antoni being under contract for a few more years, uh, I think the signs are in place that even with a new owner, there's a good chance that they'll just kind of stay the course at least for a bit. And more importantly, for a new owner, they can know that they can just stay the course. So if he does care about getting money and also cares about the city of Houston and the team of the Rockets being in good hands, this is the right time to move on during maximum stability. They're, they're able to weather this storm right now better than any other time. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting point. Um, you can just slot in an owner, basically, who in the first few years just has no problem paying the luxury tax, right? Because you got Harden locked up to a quarter of a billion dollars until 2023. You're going to want to bring back Chris Paul and potentially Carmelo Anthony and, Carmelo Anthony and whoever comes in. So there's going to be a tax bill, and essentially... You kind of just want the new owner to do, to only have to deal with that at least for the first few years, because it. I mean, as we've mentioned, the stability of the Rockets has been in, incredible for the last ten years. So I think, I think just keeping that kind of stability, it will be easier, as you pointed out, Forrest. Yeah, and like just to talk about the stability, man. Like a lot of fans don't even know Leslie Alexander's name just because he's so out of it. Like as in, like they don't have to worry about it. Like they, it's it's always just been assumed that ownership was fine. Um, and like you got you got to a point in your in your franchise where you had less uh, Harden and Maury locked up for the ne- at least the next six years, and that showed real like Spurs like stability. Um, and this this kind of throws a wrench into it, and it, it, it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad wrench. It, it it's just you know like it's it's up in the air. Like we we have no idea what's gonna happen. Like the, like for all we know, this next owner is gonna be like Steve Ballmer like, right? We have no idea who this who this new owner is gonna be. Um, and like uh, I, I think the pro- the point you brought up about less having a real affection for this team is is very valid. I mean, this is a, this is an owner that did not want to tank. I mean, forever. He he refused to tank. He did not want to lose. He wanted to be a winning organization. Uh, he knew that would sell free agents. He knew uh, that there was a way to get a superstar without tanking. It, granted, it, it was very difficult. Um, he had the foresight to hire Daryl Morey, who was at the forefront of, anal- of sports analytics um, and the way the game is supposed to be played now. Um, you know, you're talking about an 80-year-old owner who is very much forward-thinking and... You kind of have to find the modern day version of that, uh, 
and you have to find someone with deep pockets. I mean, I can't stress that enough. You have to find someone who is not only willing to pay the luxury tax, but in two years when this team is going to be um, in the repeater tax, like th- like that's going to be a hell of a bill, man. And like you have to find someone who's willing to pay that steep of a price to keep this ship going. All right. Let me throw this at you. Ownership group led by Yao Ming. I actually looked up uh, Yao Ming's net worth today, uh, $120 So it's not out of the question that he could perhaps form an ownership group, uh, you know, and and, and buy buy this team. Um, It's going to take a lot. He's going to have to find some some deep pockets himself. I think the fan base would be all in on that. They, they oh, would. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. They would embrace it to the fullest. I mean, Yao Ming's. I mean, to this day, no one has any bitter feelings towards Yao. Everybody loves Yao. Great personality. Um, if you're talking about so a person to share, you know, to sell the the hair to the throne to, I mean, what better person than Yao Ming? Um, and I mean, like s- someone who could s- potentially make uh, the Rockets' foothold in in East Asia even be- even bigger. I mean, w- w- and that's even hard to imagine. Like. Can you imagine a team owned by Yao Ming, the amount of marketing power that can have in China? I mean, that's insane. And, like, again, like, an, an owner that would probably stay out of the way. He, pre- I mean, he has a relationship with Daryl Morey. He has a relationship with everybody in the front office. I mean, you, it's, it makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's definitely a pipe dream, but what a dream. And uh, he's also an unbelievably smart guy, too. I absolutely would trust Yao Ming with the keys to all kinds of franchises. Like, he has already shown that he can run things. Yeah, the the Shanghai Sharks. The Shanghai Sharks. I think he owns that team, too, uh, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, he he already has ownership in, um, you know, some CBA teams, and... Uh, he has experience in kind of being an, an owner, right? And, and granted, being an NBA owner is totally different, especially in this new cap environment uh, and this and and this competitive uh, state of the league. I mean, but I mean, you you got to figure that that's got to mean something, and that's got to you know that, that that's got to count for something. Uh, and like, that's the kind of perfect owner that everybody would be on board with. Not not just the fans; the media would be on board with. Everybody loves Yao. It's not even. It's not even just the fan base. The media, everybody loved covering Yao. Like, you, you was just a really nice, sharp guy. And um, it, it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, there's some, there's been some other names. You know, um, owner of the Landry restaurants, right? That um, And, uh, I'm sorry, what's that chain in Vegas called? The Golden Nugget, right? Um, like, that, that, that's, that's been a name that's been thrown out there. And, you know, like... You can you can go down down the line. I mean, Houston's a huge market, and they have they have guys with deep pockets. How much is Bun B worth? Uh, <laughs> not enough to buy this team. <laughs> no, uh, not enough. No, uh, but I mean, I mean, hey, Beyonce. I mean, like you can just just keep on going down. There's a lot of celebrities from Houston. Um, you got to figure there's a lot of ownership groups that aren't in Houston that would be willing to come to Houston because of how great a market it is, how lucrative an opportunity this is. I mean, NBA teams don't go on sale every day. They just don't. I mean, t- like everybody waits for opportunities like this. Steve Ballmer waited for years before he could buy an NBA team um, and before he bought the Clippers, right? I mean, you got to – this kind of stuff uh, – I mean, like everybody, wa- I, I, everybody who wants to own a team probably wants to own this team, I, I would say. So 
I I do need to bring up one thing. This thing is important, and we we can't we can't put off talking about this. They're going to try to make sure, as best as they can, that one thing doesn't happen. And we all agree that we need to make sure it doesn't happen. But it is still a non-zero chance. They cannot let someone buy the team who intends to relocate the team at a future date. Oh yeah, I mean like yeah. I- I think that's kind of a zero possibility. Their contract ends in 2033. Uh, I'm not sure if there's any buyout dates in there, but I mean, like, it just it doesn't seem practical. I mean, this is a huge market. I mean, this is a really profitable place to be. Oh, it would be ridiculous to move the team, but like, I don't know. Yeah, Some people I mean, it's people make all kinds of decisions. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I mean, there there are a lot of. Uh, ownership groups that are dead set on moving a team to Seattle, right? I mean, the, that's that's my worry. Yeah, yeah. yeah the, there, there is a lot of uh, ownership groups that really want to move a team to Seattle. Um, the thing is, like, I think those ownership groups are kind of waiting on the small market team that could swallow a move like that, like a New Orleans. <laughs> they're, they're just like eyeing the Kings or something. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're circling like teams like the Kings, like New Orleans, like the like I'm um, not not the Bobcats, the Hornets, right? Like teams like that. Um, small market teams that uh, would make would probably get the okay from from the commissioner, um, and, and they they have a whole bunch of other stuff. They they don't have a building to move into yet. Like that's been a that's been a big ordeal in Seattle. Like the like their ownership group. Like even if they get a team, finding the requisite place to play in, it's it's pretty difficult now. I mean, like they they can't just play in that old arena. I mean, that's the reason they moved out. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, unless you got a Steve Ballmer who just builds a new one on his own dime. Yeah, I mean, but the thing is, like, where would you build that? Seattle's a pretty developed city, man. Like, uh, you would kind of have to find a new plot of land and a whole bunch of money to to make it happen. I mean, hey, these ownership groups are pretty committed. I mean, you read the stories. I mean, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty secure in saying that I don't think um, a team would the team would be moved from Houston. Yeah, it wouldn't make a lot of sense to move from one of the biggest markets in basketball, so... It's an extremely low chance, but it's not zero. Yeah, and we, as long as it's not zero, I'm going to be wary of it. No, I mean you're right to address it, right? I mean it's a anything's possible, right? Like it's it's definitely on the table. Um, but yeah, I mean this is a, this is a big topic. I, we had to discuss it. I mean, uh, they have to get this right. They have to they have to make sure they vet this out correctly. You can't have an owner that comes in there and wants to change everything, right? Because everything right now. Seems good. I, I like the way things are. Like, <laughs> um, I don't want to change it. Daryl Morey's a fantastic general manager. Uh, James Harden's a great piece to build around. Uh, you have the requisite parts around it that you know. Uh, you, you would assume Daryl Morey's going to continue to build on that, and um, you have this whole mellow deal that's still pending, right? Like you, ha- you have a lot of you have a lot of things going right for you. Uh, I would not touch it. Yeah, that's going to be the biggest worry, right? Like that a new owner, even if they're a pretty good owner, might just say, well, I want to make this my team. I want right. to, like, I don't want to just inherit a team from somebody else. I want to show that I can do this on my own, and I can, like, cl- like someone might want to clean house and, like, hire all their own guys, which would be the worst thing that could happen, yeah, just which, to bulldoze this fantastic structure already in place. Which is why this uh, Tad Brown vetting everything makes me feel a lot more secure about this. When I When I read that, um, you know, it was a sigh of relief. If, if it was just less, I mean, I'd um, you would think you'd try to settle the highest bidder, but I mean, you never know. I mean, less, I mean, less cares about this organization. I, I think that's pretty clear. I mean, the reason he's wanted to, wanted it to win so badly and be so aggressive 
uh, and be so forward thinking is because he gives a damn. So, I mean, you would think uh, Les and Tad Brown and, um, you know, his representatives, like, they, they, I would think they'd vet these guys out pretty thoroughly. Now, what does Les even need this money for anyway? I, I, I suspect that he's just kind of done. Like, I think he's just, he's old and he's just like, I don't want to deal with this anymore, right? That's got to be what it is. Like, he's just ready to move on. Because like, what what does like an eighty year old guy need with a couple of billion dollars? <laughs> like, what's he gonna what's he gonna buy in the meantime? I mean, retirement, it, it, I guess. Let me go ahead. It's so it's so weird because of how like um, enthusiastic he seems like during the playoffs. And I mean, I guess it's the playoffs to get caught up. But he was up, you know, taking fines for yelling at refs. Just and then. It, it, you don't think that he'd be checked out, but apparently he was just kind of checked out from the whole process. And, you know, it kind of makes sense because um, the last few press conferences, I noticed that Leslie Alexander wasn't there. Um, and and th- that was kind of a, a big thing because at pretty much every major press conference, Leslie Alexander is always there uh, taking questions, uh, saying the introductory statement. Uh, and the fact that he wasn't there was kind of a, a red flag that we probably should have noticed. Um, but, I mean, like... Yeah, I mean, up until this point, it seemed like he was fully invested in this team. And not to say that he wasn't. Um, it's possible that he just kind of came to this decision over time that, hey, it's, it's, it's time to hang it up. Um, and, you know, Tad Brown was talking about it today. It's a grind to be an NBA owner, especially the kind of owner that Les was. Like, he was, he wanted to be involved in everything. Like, he, he, he didn't do anything half-assed, right? And I think that's important because that took a lot of energy out of him. And, be, and being a guy in his 80s, I mean, you got to figure at some point he had to hang it up and um and this is a pretty good time to hang it up uh franchises the, the value of this organization as of this moment uh forbes estimates is 1.6 billion dollars i mean that's the eighth most valuable franchise in the nba um and i i, I would think that'd go up just because of the sheer market size of houston and the the media presence in china Oh yeah, it's going to be at least two billion if I had to guess. Just no, I think so too. I I, yeah. I think I think what Bill Simmons tweeted made a lot of sense. I think uh, having it go to like um, ha- having it go to like two point two, two point three billion made a lot of sense as as a valuation point. Um, but yeah, uh, let's go ahead and talk about other stuff because I I feel like we're starting to run out of stuff to talk about with this ownership. Um, so the Rockets made some moves uh, these these past couple of days uh, since the last time we recorded. Uh, first move, uh, Tariq Black for the biannual exception. So that's about $3 million. Um, over, uh, it's, it seems like it's just a one-year deal for the biannual. Um, you know, this kind of surprised me because uh, biann- I thought they would use kind of the minimum for this backup center spot. The biannual seems like a lot. Um, they, they seemed like they were intent on saving that to, to the buyout market. But, I mean, they needed a backup center, and Tariq Black's not a bad option. I mean, it's um, on paper – Three three million dollars for Tariq Black seems pretty reasonable, um, and they needed someone for when you know Nene rests because Nene does uh, take games off, and you know when he does, there's no backup center. They had Harold there, and they needed a replacement. So I mean, this kind of makes a, this kind of makes sense. But I mean, I thought they would save that biannual. I mean, maybe Dwayne Wade, like if Dwayne Wade or or Carmelo Anthony, or one of those guys got gets bought out. You never know. That's that. That's what. That's why you save it, right? Unless they do know. I don't know. Like, no, you're right. 
if you're going to get Dwayne Wade on your team, it's going to probably be for the minimum at this point anyway. I mean, like, they, and they need a Tariq Black more than they need a Dwayne Wade anyway. No, it makes sense. Um, I mean, like, I, I'm not, I'm not upset about the signing. It, it, it just, it just took me aback. Like, you know, just, just last week on the Bill Simmons podcast, he, um, Daryl Morey was talking about how they were going to save that biannual, and they used it now. I mean, it's, it's good value for Tariq Black, 25 years old, athletic center. Uh, you know, good replacement for Harrell. Her- I mean, he dunks, defends, runs the floor. Um, you know exactly what you need in this in this system. Um, and what I find scary about this is the Rockets are going to have an athletic big with Chris Paul and James Harden on the floor at all times. That's impossible to He's guard. Time. Black is going to get so many dunks. It's awesome. On top of the dunks that that Nene and Capella are going to are going to get. I mean, it's it's insane. Yeah, it's good. I think it's a perfect fit, especially I I feel like he plays a lot like Nene, not as skilled offensively, but I think he can, you know, run to the rim and box out and just grab rebounds. He's a big, strong guy. Uh, I liked him in his first stint with Houston, and just the fact that, you know, Nanu is coming off like a pretty terrible summer league. It just, it kind of, he feels the, he feels a need. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think Chinano Anuaku is ready. Uh, neither is Ochi. I, I think they needed to get a vet guy for right now, um, especially for a team like this that wants to contend. Uh, and you know Mike D'Antoni probably wouldn't have played those guys anyways. I mean, I think this is a good signing. Um, other signing, which I thought was pretty huge and like great value, like amazing value. Luke Maba Mamute. Uh, I still can't pronounce the name right. Luke Richard Maba Mamute for the veterans minimum. That's insane. I like. I can't believe you couldn't find a better deal on the on the market. Like that's 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 insane value. I bet he could have found a better deal in the open market, but I oh, think he knew where he was going to have a good time and fit in well and maybe win a ring. Yeah, I mean, Chris, you got to figure Chris Paul was involved in the recruiting, former teammate of his, uh, you know, at, in, in Los Angeles. And, may, you know, maybe he took less money to be with Chris Paul. Yeah, I think I think that's exactly what happened. I think this is a lot of Chris Paul influence, you know, same as P.J. Tucker, who left a lot of money on the table. Um and actually, you know, like a month ago when I saw that Amute was going to be a free agent, I was like, oh, he'd be an interesting fit for the Rockets. But I mean, not, he, think, not thinking that the Rockets would have any money to get him. Yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, you would think he'd get at least like Andre Robertson money, like at least $10 million a year. Like, that's how, I'm not even kidding, that's how good of a defender Luke Mb- Rashard Mbamute is. He, he's, he's at least $10 million per year good. Um, and he's going to be your backup wing. I mean, this team is loaded with capable wing defenders that can play multiple yeah. positions now. And that's hey, you know the thing where, uh, where fans of like super teams think that every player should sign with them for $0. This is why they think that way. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like uh, th- this is kind of why, um, Warriors fans think they can get anybody, right? I mean, like this, this is on the, va- on the level of value of the Omri Caspi signing, I would say. On, it's like that's how good of a value signing this was for the Rockets. Um, the yeah. Rockets are going to have three versatile defenders on the three versatile wing defenders on the floor at all times. I can play multiple positions that can switch two through four, which is huge in today's NBA and huge to defend the Warriors. This is a team that looks like it's being designed to beat the Warriors, or at least to stop the Warriors. It's because it outright is. Yeah, I mean, yeah. They're, they're not they're not being you know 
They're not trying to hide it. Like Daryl Morey said, uh, said so many times in press conferences. They're trying to beat this Warriors team. They're being super aggressive in it, um, and they're getting these cheap deals. I mean, PJ Tucker was already a great signing for eight million per. For, I mean, with a mid-level exception for three years, that was already a great value signing. Um, I mean, and getting guys like like Tariq Black and Luke Richard Marabute. I mean, this team is going to be an awesome defensive team next year. I think so. I think, I think like they were, they were 18th in defense this year. I think, I think they can, there's a pretty good chance they can jump into the top 10. Like, I, yeah. Okay. As though it's not like, I think it's all but certain at this point that they're going to be a top 10 defensive team. Like they have so much defensive talent on that roster. They do have a lot of defensive talent on this roster. And um, the way this team is being structured, like they're, they're being structured to switch, which is really interesting because last year they definitely weren't structured to do so. With Ryan Anderson, uh, Eric Gordon, um, Nene, like they, they didn't have requisite talent to switch. Uh, they they did it pretty conservatively. I mean, Jeff Bezdelic, um uh, played a more modern, uh, not a modern, a more conservative style of defense, and now he can do whatever he whatever the hell he wants because he he has the personnel to do it. And you know, like I think you can hide. Uh, Ryan Anderson in crunch time. I think you can hide James Harden with all these capable defenders, and like you can hide Carmelo Anthony, huh? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you get Carmelo <laughs> Anthony, um, you guys want to talk about Melo? I really don't actually. I, like I, I think I think it's been kind of done to death. I I'm just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, I mean, like the, it's frustrating, right? Because like the Knicks, they seem to want to keep him now. Uh, the latest update since uh, since we last recorded is like, um, you know, before it felt like a done deal. Like he 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 made Houston his primary target, and then the trade talks paused. Like apparently they were at the quote unquote two yard line, and then like just a few days later, the Knicks decided, hey, I mean, like uh, they they hired Scott Perry, and everything kind of went back went backwards. Like they want to renegotiate a new deal because of this new this new regime and. They want to bring Carmelo Anthony back in the fold, and Carmelo Anthony apparently doesn't want it. Like he, he's he's fed up with this crap, and yeah, well, he should be. Yeah, I mean the Knicks are kind of treating him like crap, right? Like they they they, they talked about trading him all year. Now he he's readily able to he's re- he's ready and able to accept a trade to the Houston Rockets, and the Knicks won't do it. Like they've they've trashed his trade value, and now they're complaining about offers they're not getting because they trashed his trade value. This is their fault. Like did this happen under their own roof? Like the reason you're not getting anything for Carmelo Anthony is because everybody knows you want to trade Carmelo Anthony, and everybody knows that he has a no trade clause, and that you know, I mean, it, it's unlikely he's gonna wave to come to your team. It, it, this is all a doing of the Knicks. The Knicks gave him a a no trade clause for no reason whatsoever. Like why did they give him a? I I still don't know why they gave him a no trade clause, and um, because they're a bad organization. I don't know what else. <laughs> Yeah, I mean it, it's it's weird. Like, I, like they're they have no they have nothing else. They have no one else to blame but themselves. And now, um, yeah, it, it's it's messy. I mean, it's messy. Uh, what odds would you put on the Rockets landing uh, Carmelo at this point? Eighty uh, percent before training camp. Yeah, I'm somewhere around there too. I think it's kind of a done deal. Okay, I don't I'm, know if I, I I might be too optimistic, but I think it's kind of a done deal. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna say sixty percent um, because I think there's still like a thirty percent chance that um, I still think there's a thirty percent chance he returns to the Knicks. And I still think there's like a ten percent chance that 
he gets traded to another team, which which we haven't discussed. But I mean, he's willing to tra- waive his no trade clause to the Cavs, and the Blazers are desperately trying to you know convince him to come to come there to come to Portland. Yeah, I mean it's uh, it makes a lot of sense for them to do so, and yeah, I mean like the the Rockets aren't the only team in the hunt. They they seem to be the favorite, and like I w- I would leave that ten percent there. I would say sixty percent. Yeah. Can I, can I say for a second how hilarious it is that the Blazers are like, no, 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 we're gonna do it. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna want to come here. Why? Why would? He, why? For, <laughs> what purpose do you? How can they think this will happen? And why would they want this to happen? What's the point? What's the point for him? For them? For anyone? I. This is. This is why the NBA is fantastic. Because sometimes a team <laughs> which ordinarily like makes a lot of sense will come out and just like. Like yeah, I'm wearing pants on my head today, man. This is a good idea. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like this is the same team that signed Tim Hardaway Jr. to a 72 million dollar offer. Who the hell was gonna offer Tim Hardaway Jr. 72 million dollars, man? Like, like did they think that? Did they think they had to put this kind of offer sheet in front of the Atlanta Hawks for them not to match? I, I I have no idea what the hell the Knicks are doing. Like I have no idea. Like they're making the Kings look. Awesome right now. I mean, they gave a second round pick back to the Kings. Yeah, yeah. If the, if they end up just like forcing Melo to come back this season, they're they're not going to be able to get anyone to sign with them for a while. Like that's another level of black eye on that team. Like, and I don't think I don't think a new GM wants to come in there with like players immediately not wanting to have anything to do with them. Like, I think it's, I mean, Ben Dubose kind of talked about this recently. But like, it's probably worth it uh, to try to make players have a little bit of respect for you when you're coming in. Maybe. I mean, it doesn't <laughs> it, it doesn't hurt. I mean, like, like, here's what you're doing right now. You're angering Carmelo Anthony. You're angering his camp. You're angering his agent. You're angering other players that see that this is how you treat your best player. Uh, like, how are you going to treat me when I come there? And I'm like your sixth man, right? Like Myers Leonard. Yeah, like this is the kind of the, the this is kind of the message you're sending off. I mean, like, what the hell are you doing, Nick's? I mean, like, I I, I I have no answers. I mean, like, you're making yourself look really, really bad here, and the Knicks already look really, really bad. I don't know how the hell you're making yourself look worse, but you're doing it. You're doing it, Nick's. Um, I mean, you, you traded a second round pick for a assistant general manager that's been on the job for four months. I mean, just think about that. Like, you, you're a team that needs these assets to surround Kristaps uh, Porzingis with young parts, and you're trading second-round picks for a general manager. Like, what the hell are you doing? Like, there are other candidates on the market that you don't have to, you you don't have to poach. Like, I, let me bring this full circle for you. Good owners matter. James Dolan is the best, and Les Alexander's or James Dolan is the worst, unless Alexander's on the best. <laughs> don't let me get that wrong. Les is the best. And we're going to miss less forever. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm going to miss less. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Give us a good rating on iTunes if you enjoy the podcast. Give us a good rating even if you didn't enjoy the podcast. And yeah, guys, uh, good night. <laughs>